Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. us from Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 13 hopefully verses you've become more and more familiar with as these weeks have gone on so here now Jesus's words pray then in this way our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Oh, you can do better than that. Good morning. We got people here. This is exciting. My name is Brad Inman, and I'm one of the associate pastors here at Orange, and I'm so excited to have the opportunity to preach uh, this morning. Before I do that, I do want to give one more announcement, especially because I see some youth out there. Today is a mega deadline for the rest of our summer events. If you want to do our service lock-in, go paintballing, or go to Bush Gardens, today is the registration deadline. Uh, So make sure you go to the website and fill out your registration if you're interested in that. But today, I am excited for the opportunity to wrap up our sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, which is basically an epilogue. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Actually, if you want to get technical, that's a doxology, which is a short hymn of praise. And you may have noticed something about this doxology in the scripture reading this morning. It's not there. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. It's not in the Bible. We didn't just leave it out this morning. It's not in the Gospels. It's not hidden in some letter of Paul. It's not in the Bible anywhere. Uh, Somebody apparently saw that Jesus taught us how to pray and thought he just didn't end it well. Um, I I could do better. Uh, No, no, that's not what happened. Um, Scholars' best guess is that this was added to the Matthew account of the Lord's Prayer somewhere in the 2 to 5th century, so that means 300 years. They don't know either. Um, But it was added to some early manuscripts of Matthew, um, and somewhere along the line, it was just considered tradition and kept in there. Why was it added? It was probably had something to do with worship, turning it into some sort of liturgy to make it so it could be part of uh, worshipful services, something like that. I think the best comparison, maybe, of this doxology is what many of us consider the doxology. If you go over to our traditions, we say it every week right after we collect the offering, uh, we sing a short hymn of praise. That's the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. That's the closest you're going to get to me singing in a sermon. (laughs) I'm not Adam or Corey, so you'll just have to deal with it. Um, But that doxology and this doxology are both 
hymns of praise. And that doxology reminds us of who God is and why he is worthy of us giving our gifts right after we gave our gifts. So it's kind of a summarizing prayer in a way as well. So this doxology, is it just kind of a fun add-on to the Lord's Prayer? Is it something that just is kind of pretty, so let's add it in? Or is it still important? The Catholics don't say this part, the doxology, at the end of the Lord's Prayer. Should we just, you know, follow their lead and stop right before it? I don't think so. <laughs> but let's get into that a little bit. I think that this doxology is a reminder of why we pray to God right after we prayed. It is a summarizing reminder that we can put our faith in the prayer that we just said because of the one who we're praying to. The kingdom is God's, the power is God's, and the glory is God's. And we, when we look at the significance of these words a little bit closer, it can be tempting to skip right to those kingdom, power, and glory, those big, strong words. But I think maybe the most important words are for thine is, or for yours is, if we want to you know, modernize the English a little bit. And what those words tell us is that this doxology is describing God. It's describing who God is. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours, God. That's who you are. You're the one who has the kingdom under control. You're the one who has the power to make this prayer come true. And you are the one who deserves all of the glory. That is who you are. And because of that, the doxology is giving us the why for the Lord's Prayer. It's telling us why we're praying the words that we do. It's why I can say all of the things that I just said. And we just said a lot of things. We spent two months talking about all of the things that are in the Lord's Prayer. There are eight different parts that's a lot of things that we've been saying to God. Way back in June, we said, hallowed be thy name. And now we're saying, your name is holy because all of the glory is yours, God. We're saying that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now we're saying, your will be done because the kingdom is yours. That is who you are. We're saying, forgive us, God, because you are the only one who has the power to forgive. Basically, God is holy. He can give us what we need each day. He can forgive us. He can protect us. And his will should be deferred to over our own desires because the kingdom and the power and the glory belong to him. The doxology, this ending, is a summarizing reminder of who God is. And who God is, it was what gives us the courage, the faith, and the desire to say all of the words that we just prayed. It's the final praise for God for who he is, but it is also the final reminder to us as we finish praying about why we can have faith in the words that we just said. So that right there, in my opinion, is why the doxology is still important and why we should keep it around. Because as much as I can spend eight weeks trying to understand deeper what it is that Jesus is telling us to say, sometimes what I need the most is the reminder of why I should be praying and why I can say the words that I'm saying. And that's what the doxology does. 
it tells me that I can put faith in these words and I need to pray these words because the kingdom, the power, and the glory belong to God. Okay, I can see some of you Googling directions to St. Thomas More, the Catholic Church, because he's still not buying into the doxology quite yet. Um, but that's okay, we'll go into it a little bit deeper. And I want to look at it at a little different angle. Um, let's go back to what the Lord's Prayer is as a whole. The Lord's Prayer is Jesus teaching us how to pray. And my goodness, do we need that? Do I need that? Because for numerous reasons, I found over the years that prayer is actually one of the things that our students, our youth, have the hardest time grasping. And I think it's because when you grow up practicing something, and you see your parents doing something, and you see your church family doing something, sometimes you can start doing a thing before you really understand what it is you're doing, or why it is you're doing that thing. And then one day you're praying and you realize, wait a second, why am I doing this again? Why am I doing this thing? And then you have a bunch of people like me telling you that you should be praying all the time. You should be praying at home, you should be praying in the shower and while you're driving and while you're at school, you should just be praying all the time. Or worse yet, I could ask you to pray in front of other people. And it's terrifying. Meanwhile, because the only thing you've ever seen is other people modeling the practice for you or following around, along in your head with somebody else praying, trying your best not to zone out, and you find that, wait, I don't know if I've ever actually really prayed, if I've ever really shared my heart with God before. So it seems like other people know how to do that, but even though you've been doing it for years, you're like, wait, I don't, I don't really know how to do this. And that's not a fun place to be. And I think that's why Jesus takes the time, this very important time, to teach us how to pray. No wonder he does. Because for some of us, it can seem simple. But for others of us, even if, or maybe especially if, we've grown up with prayer our entire lives, it can be difficult. So I want you all to know today that even after seven weeks, if you're still like, Ooh, I don't know if I know how to pray, that that's okay. <laughs> that's why Jesus taught us how. It's why he gave us this template and why we just spent two months examining it. Because it's not as easy as it seems as me just saying, you know, just go home and pray all the time. <laughs> it's just not that easy. But what the doxology does that the rest of the Lord's Prayer doesn't do is it doesn't tell us why we pray those words. And the reason why we pray those words, the reason that we can have faith in them again is because God has the power, the control, and the holiness to bring them to fruition. And that is important because of how hard prayer can be. It can be difficult to be honest and open and upfront with God, admitting to our sinfulness and being truthful about what we need to just carry on and get through each day, trusting God with our deepest desires for ourselves and for our loved ones, those all take a lot of vulnerability. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't like asking people for things. I like to be self-sufficient. I like to solve my own problems. I don't even like inconveniencing others, much less relying on them. But here's Jesus telling us to ask God 
for what we need and asking for things as big as forgiving us of our sins that we've made against him. How could I do such a thing? How can I pray these words? These are big words that Jesus is praying. How can I say these things to God with my whole heart behind them? The way that I can do that is with the help of the doxology reminding me of who God really is. That he is the one who really can answer these prayers. He's the one who's actually in control of the world and has a plan for its redemption. And he's the God who deserves praise because of how good, just, and loving he is. I can mean all of those first parts of the Lord prayer when I say them because of who God is. I can say this hymn of praise because I know that the words that I'm saying are not said in vain. We can have faith in the words that we say to God because of who he is. So that's what the doxology is. It is a summarizing prayer that reminds us that we can put faith in our prayer because of who we are praying to. But you know what? If people in the third century can add something to the end, then I want to add something to the end too. And no, it's not because I think Jesus did a bad job wrapping it up. Stop trying to get me in trouble with the big guy. Um, But what I do want to add to the end of the doxology is something that does something very similar to what the first part of the doxology does. And that's adding something to who God is. And it's a reflection to actually the very beginning of the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus tells us to start off our prayer by saying, Our Father. When Jesus tells us how to pray, he tells us to begin by saying, Our Father. God is our Father, and not just ours too. (laughs) By saying ours, Jesus is saying, You and me. He's putting us on his same level, and that is just mind-blowing because it's saying that God loves me the same way that he loves Jesus, and that's insane. So saying that our Father at the beginning of the prayer is a reminder that God loves us, and I think that that's the why that the doxology is missing right now at the very end. God is powerful, he is in control, and he is worthy of praise, absolutely. But he also loves us more than we could ever imagine. Jesus tells us straight from the beginning, you are talking to someone who loves you, someone who would do anything for you, someone who wants the best for you. So you can ask him for things. You can be completely genuine and honest with him. You can be vulnerable He is your Father who loves you, so you should talk to him in that way. So that's how I want to end the prayer. I want to end the prayer by reminding myself that all the things that I just shared with God, my shortcomings, my dreams, my wishes, my shame, all of those things weren't just shared with some out-of-touch deity, but shared with my Father who loves me. He does have the control, the power, and the holiness to listen to my prayers and make them happen. But he also has the love for me that I can know that he's actually listening and that he cares. I can know that he is ecstatic that I trusted him enough to be real with him. 
I know that like the dad of a some seemingly uninterested teenager, he is so grateful that I took just a minute out of my day to connect with him and talk with him for a minute. And I know that even if all my prayers aren't answered how or when I wanted them to be prayed, answered, that he did listen, that he did care, and he probably, well, certainly, did just know better than to answer them exactly the way that I wanted. And I know that even if my prayer goes seemingly completely unanswered, that the part about forgiving me was. Kingdom and power and glory, sure, but also love. That is also who God is and why I pray to him. So as I wrap up my prayer, I want to remind myself that I just spoke to the one who loves me more than I could ever comprehend no matter what. So if we're doing like a Brad version of the doxology epilogue, it would be for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory and my love forever. Amen. Learning how to pray is absolutely essential, but so too is reminding ourselves of why we pray. And we pray because of who God is, because he is the Father in heaven who loves us. He is the God Almighty, the creator of the universe and of you, the one who knows the hairs on your head and the anxieties in your heart. And this marvelous God of all creation once desires and longs to hear from you, to talk to you, to let you pour your heart out to him. And in the end, that's all prayer is, is you talking and connecting with God. In the Lord's Prayer, we do have a fantastic model for how to pray and what to pray for given to us by Jesus. But there is no wrong and right way to pray as long as it is sincere and genuine. David, Job, Jesus, all of them cry out to God in anguish. They are not always pretty prayers. They are messy prayers at times. And it is okay to tell God that you are not okay. You can tell God that you're upset, that you're angry, even angry with him. He wants to know that. He wants that connection. Because when we earnestly connect with God through prayer, yes, God will follow through with his promises, but just the act of praying recalibrates our hearts. It gives us those important reminders that we need to readjust our perspectives and see the world again through God's eyes. We remind ourselves that the kingdom is his, all of it. The heavens, the earth, me, the person I'm angry with, they are all his. And though the kingdom down here can be real messed up at times, he has the power to change it, and he gives us the power to help him change it. And he loves us, so it's okay for us to ask him for what we need because it's all his and he is in control. And because of who he is and what he's doing, he deserves all the glory. Yesterday, today, and every day. And because of that, I say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory and my love forever. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, we 
are so grateful for you teaching us how to pray because we need it. We get so lost in our own thoughts and our own needs and our own feelings, God, that you give us the model, the reminders of what it is we should be asking you for, the things that we want and the things that you want us to want, God. We are so thankful for you giving us that model. But God, we pray that you help us to learn who you are, to help us see that you are the one with the power and the glory and the kingdom and our love, and that those are the reasons that we need to connect with you, that we should desire to connect with you, God. So we thank you above all, God, for who you are. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.